0: Good morning, everyone. I I, I want to do something and say something uh, specifically unrelated to the class. And I'd like to say what I'm going to say with the rest of the folks in here, but at least I will start this way. I want to make a comment about the election. And here's the reason why. Two ladies, one affiliated with the church, one at PJ's this morning. I go out in the morning, you know, study. Okay, fine. We're distraught over the election. Now, whether you're distraught or whether you are absolutely hilariously excited is not the point. But I want to make, feel the Lord wants me to make a point this morning. And you know, for me to do this, I just don't do this kind of thing. First of all, Let me ask you to do this. How do you feel about the results? I'm not asking you to answer it. How do you feel about the results? Now, does everybody have a certain feeling or opinion about the results? I think this election, there is no way for you to be neutral. Everybody is either hilariously overjoyed and relieved or they're Filled with fear and frustration and concern. I don't know whether there's any middle ground here. So the first question is this. How do you feel about the results? Now, here's the second question. Now, you may write these things down if you want to. You may write them down if you want to. Because you're going to forget them. I'm a school teacher. Beth, I know what's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. You're going to forget, and I don't want you to forget. So first question is what? How do I feel about the results of the election? All right, everybody, school teachers written that on the board, and you've copied it down. Remember the old chalkboard? After teaching all day long, I used to go home. I was filled with white chalk (laughs) all over me. For those of you who don't know what chalk is, you have to go back and read the literature of the ancient Sumerians and you'll find out. It's old people know this. So that's the first question. How do you feel about the election? Second question. Here's the second one you ask yourself. What do my feelings say about me? For those of you who are coming in late, no, we're glad you're here. I'm I'm making a political statement this morning about the election. The first question is, how do you feel about the election? Write it down. Write these things down. Secondly, what do my feelings say about me? Did we get it? Everybody there? Third question. What do, I'm sorry, what does this election say about God? Three questions. How do I feel about the election? I'm terrified. I'm exuberant. Okay, whichever. Second question what do my feelings say about me, about my heart, about me? Third question, what do my feelings say about God? Fourth question, you remember when you were in school, teachers love to ask questions. Don't, don't ask us the answers. We don't know answers. We just know questions. What do my feelings say about my trust in God? Now, I ask you about what does it say about God, then what do my feelings say about my trust in God? Now, it's critical because I guarantee there is a liar out there. It's John eight forty four. If you don't know what that says, write it down and look it up. There is a liar out there who wants to deceive. And he will deceive us to the place. That our feelings are more leading us or having control over us is the better way than our trust in God. Are we with me? Are you here today? Now, that's all the questions. Now I want to make a statement. Again, take notes. Because I, I find that if you don't take notes, you won't remember. God is doing one thing upon the earth. That one thing has many ancillary or connecting or associated activities. That makes sense? You're going down the road. We're going over there one road. We're going down that road. There's a whole lot of other stuff involved. But I ha- I'm on one road. Does that make sense? God is doing one thing upon the earth. He's been doing this ever since Genesis 3:6, When Adam ate. And that is this. God is passionately. Relentlessly purposefully moving his purpose for his people, the church to its conclusion to be fulfilled or culminated in the perusal in the return of Christ. Do we get that? God is using all the circumstances of this world. God is ruling over all the affairs of men and nations to move His purpose for His church to its culmination in the return of Christ did you get that that's the one work that God is doing upon the earth it has many facets but there is only one work that's why Jesus said thy kingdom come that's what that means God is ruling in the hearts and in the affairs of men and nations in elections, in finances, in cultural activities, in diseases, in natural events, storms, whatever. He is ruling as he is moving and using all of these events to move his purpose for the church forward to be culminating in the return of Christ. Do we get that? Do we understand that? Does everybody get that? Does everybody agree with that? Do you have any concerns or problems with that? Anything at all? Therefore, write this down. Therefore, because of what I just said, because of that truth, write this down. Therefore, the results of this election were good. Therefore, the results of this election were good. Why? Thank God the Democrats have finally gotten in. Nope. What's going to happen? If Trump can't retu- re- re- continue, nope. Therefore, what? What did I say? What are the election results of what? What? Good. Why? Because God is in the details, moving his church, the purpose of his church forward in this election. As he was in the past election, someone would say yes and someone would cringe. And as he will be in every election coming until Christ returns. Now church, can we trust and thank and be joyful in such a God? And can we now allow the Holy Spirit to to adjust our fears or our excitement our concerns or our relief can we allow him now to adjust all of that whichever side you're on either side will be devastating can we allow the Holy Spirit to adjust it to place it all In the purpose of God. Amen? That's all I want to say about this election. Now, we're not going to get through the class today. I think that's pretty obvious, but I thought I just felt this was important today when I received an email from one of the ladies in the church, very, very concerned, and then the young lady who was serving coffee this morning, and she asked me how I was doing, and I asked her, how she was doing, and she fell apart. She's a Christian girl, so I just felt constrained to share with her. Okay, let's place our hope where? In the Lord. Has the Holy Spirit helped you this morning in this? Has the Holy Spirit, not Peter. Has the Holy Spirit helped you this morning? Amen. Okay. Okay. Father, thank you so much. Father, a thousand years from now, perhaps you will show us a video of these days and show us, Father, how you were using the things that happen in my life, the lives of the church, our fellowships, our families, our friendships, our finances, our health. Father, how you have used the events of politics. Father, how you have used the events of COVID, of hurricanes, of all of this. To do what you say you are doing. For we know that God works all things for the good. And we know the good is a revelation of your glory in Christ in us. For those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. Father, one day, perhaps you will show us a video. And we will look back and see this day, November 8th, 2020, and see this day and the election results that were announced finally yesterday and see them within the context, Father, of your great work upon the earth to bring about the glory of your name in us, in Christ at his return and then father we will say oh oh what thankful hearts we have that you did it that way because that way and any and every way that you decree is wise and good and perfect and right father we know that will be our attitude then but would you move by your spirit to be creating in us that revelational attitude this day so that we see this day with some cloudiness we know but we see this day the same as we will see it a thousand years from now thank you Father that you have poured out your love upon us that you are working all things so that your purpose for saving us will be finally and fully culminated in the new heavens and the new earth so we say this is the day that the Lord hath made we will rejoice and be glad in it in jesus name amen, amen. Okay. well let's <clears throat> well let me let me do one more thing i just have to do this I, I don't want to spend the time doing this this is something contrary to what i wanted to do but i really felt compelled to what the lord wanted to do and this is his class it's not peter davidson or lakeview class it's the holy spirit's class right i mean you know what can i say does anybody have a question anybody at all is everybody settled okay about this if you're not feel free it's okay i can't hear you okay bridget said she's not settled I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not over. She doesn't feel in the spirit. The Lord is saying it's over. Okay, I got it. What do you mean it's not over? What does that mean? Wait, wait. Can you hear her? I'm sorry. I just just feel the Lord is working in this still. It's just not over. And, And it's not about a man or another man. It's about him. Yes. No, Bridget, you're exactly right. Do you have something to read? No. Okay. Well, no, you're exactly right. It's not over. This is a continuing work of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns, and then it's over. So you're right about it. And it doesn't mean at all, church, that we should be lamenting over, not one side or the other, but lamenting over the sin that is in humanity. But more than that, our lamenting me- needs to be much more directed toward ourselves. That we are not caught up into something that dishonors the Lord in our the way we handle ourselves, not only in relation to this but in relation to everything. Amen? It's not over, Bridget. You're right. And you're right to feel that way. But in your lamenting, in your concern, you're lamenting with hope and joy that until the Lord returns, there are going to be all kinds of stuff happening upon the earth. But can you rejoice in the middle of it? Jesus lamented upon the earth. We know that, don't you? What does Hebrews 12 say? For the joy that was set before him, he endured. Not only the cross as far as a physical resurrection, but the whole event of his atoning work from his conception to his death. It was a joy, but he lamented. He lamented. And so, the test is this or the revelation is this tomorrow let's say you're going to be with folks who have a different opinion than you whatever side you're on and I don't like that word side but whatever, you know, whatever your attitude is what they need to hear is not political comments and statements well the election was fairly won nope the election was stolen They don't need to hear that because even if it was stolen, God's in the stealing of it. Have you read your Bibles? Have we read our Bibles? Do you know how many people of chicanery God has used purposely to promote his purpose? Uh, Amen? Have we forgotten our Bibles? And when we read that, we say, hallelujah, because we see, at least in that story, the result of that work. The problem is, we're not seeing the result yet by sight, but by faith. But what the world needs to hear is this. Not what side I'm on and what you are. They don't need to hear that. They need to see this. They need to see a believer in Jesus Christ. Filled with faith and hope and joy and certainty that my God reigns upon the earth and that he shall return at the last trumpet. Amen? That's what they need to hear. Don't let the devil pollute that with foolishness of this world. And even if you have strong opinions about whatever... and. You should, and you will. Don't let them leak into the purity of God's word. And if it does, God still will have his way. Amen? So you're right. You're right. For some people, it's a day of lamenting. Some people, it's a day of rejoicing. Okay? Fine. But the lamenting and the rejoicing for believers should be about rejoicing over the work of the Lord and the lamenting of the sin. First, that still resides too much in me as an activity and then resides in the world. Amen? Okay. Anybody else want to have a comment? You say, oh, my word, if you do, he'll have four more sermons. I'm sorry. Mary. Hey, Mary. How you feeling, girl? You feeling fair to Midland? You've heard that term before, fair to Midland? That means fair. Midland is in Texas. While you were speaking, um, the Holy Spirit, and I was listening to everything that you said, the Holy Spirit showed me or told me that, that... we should be. I should be thankful, and I am very thankful, that he used the presidency of, of Donald Trump to show the total corruption of our of our country and our government, and it's just out there now. and And I can see that he's working toward. Okay. That. Okay. So, Mary understands that the Lord has used Trump's presidency to reveal more clearly to her what's really out there in the world he will use the Biden presidency to reveal more of whatever else he's revealing amen but God rules in the affairs of men and of nations don't you let that slip from you the devil wants to steal it and say yeah but yeah but there are no buts in this god either rules or he doesn't rule we've talked about sovereignty he he is either sovereign or if there is one molecule one molecule one time that did something apart from god's sovereignty we cannot say and god cannot say i'm sovereign right chris amen now, there are all kinds of questions. We've talked about that. How can God's sovereignty and man's responsibility? and God, I don't get it. Just go back and read Deuteronomy 29, 29 to yourself a whole lot of times. Read 1 Corinthians 13 verses uh, 9 and 12 a whole lot of times to yourself. Just do those things. Read Isaiah 55. What is it? I think 6 and 7 right around in there. A whole lot of times to yourself, and then that will give you the answer of how God's sovereignty and man's responsibility work together. They will give you the answer. Those verses will show you. And he, and then here's another one. Romans 11.33 is another great answer. Great answer. For how can God be sovereign and man have responsibility? And God, I don't... But read those verses. They'll explain the whole thing to you. Do you get it? What is the answer? We don't know and God ain't telling. <laughs> but we do know it's real. Okay. Gail? Yeah, yeah. Judgment and mercy. The yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. he'll say, hang on, I'm angry, but I'll get over it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, we still see that same posture God even the Well, the posture of God justice and mercy. Yeah. Remember we just. Well remember, remember we talked about God's justice in relation to the church. God's justice for believers has been fully satisfied in whom? Where, in whom? Where? at the cross specifically, culminating at the cross. But his justice for his church began with the conception of Jesus because Jesus began to pay the price for our sin in his conception way over here. Don't just put it in one place. He began here and where did it culminate? It culminated where? At the cross. Do we see that? Then the read is being nasty to me. But do we see that? Don't cut God's work up into sections. See it as a flow which has different ebbs and flows and you know movements and up and down. Yes. So God's justice for the church was satisfied in whom? Beginning when? And the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and conceived in her the incarnation of the Son of God. Matthew 129, and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Culminating at the cross... With the great three words of the cross. What? John nineteen thirty. What? It is finished. What? The justice of God has been fully satisfied in me myself on behalf of all my people. Therefore the wrath is assuaged, is put away. So that's the first thing about justice and mercy. Therefore, mercy. Ephesians three four. But God being what? Rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love. He saved us. For the world, the world is under the judgment of God. There is no hope for anyone outside of Christ to escape the judgment and the wrath of God. There's no hope. But what God does, he deals with the world in judgment and wrath and in mercy. In other words, he relents or he puts off the application of his judgment upon people for a period of time, but not forever. Do we see that? We understand what I just said. But ultimately, the judgment will fall upon all unbelievers. But in doing that, what is his purpose? It is to be continually demonstrating to the world that he is a God of righteousness. And in doing this, he is furthering his purpose for the church to be culminating in the return of Jesus. So as I said before, in the perusa, P-O-U-R-S-I-A. That's a fancy name, meaning the return of Christ. So is there still judgment and mercy upon the earth? Yes. God is putting off the application of his judgment because of sin upon unbelievers. until the return of christ and then matthew 25 comes and all the nations are gathered around this son of man and they're split into two groups on the left go what the goats on the sheep on the, on the sheep come the right right on the right come what the sheep and all the ones on the left are consigned to judgment forever on the right right the ones who are consigned for heaven forever So yes, Gail, he's still doing that. The difference is, now in Christ, we can today fully experience the mercy of God even in the midst of God's judging this nation for its gross sin as he will judge every nation for their gross sin. Because there is no nation that has called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen? And our sin is different than the sin of others. But all are under the wrath of God. All are. Correct? Is there any hope for America? Ultimately, no. Any hope for Russia, China, Vietnam, anybody? Anybody? the only hope is for the church right Darlene your son's a preacher he'll tell you that call him and he'll tell you that Alan Desherry wonderful wonderful preacher you can listen to him Midland what's the name of the church Sovereign Grace what Sovereign Grace of Midland Alan Desherry wonderful pastor A.J. and Darlene's son A.J. said if I said that today he'd give me a free meal may not remember that but that's what he thought (laughs) Uh, are we getting this you see I have a real concern we can talk about this love of God which we have been but then the enemy sometimes wants to throw in thorns in the way that prevent us from receiving because we're too preoccupied with something else at the moment they ever try to Teach your child something and they're preoccupied with something else and they're not learning it. Don't get angry with your child. Stop teaching. Find out what the issue is. Deal with that. Get it relieved. And then start teaching again. Pharaoh, did you want to say something? Did you want to ask a question? Or did you want to preach? No, I know you can. That's why I asked. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yes. Say it again. Okay, all right, no, okay, all right, okay, I got it, okay, now, yeah, everybody has to remember Pharaoh's an old goat, he's older than anybody else in this room by many years, And what he said is this very true, but again, today we're not, remember, covering everything. We're covering a slice of something. He said, It's not going to be good for my children and grandchildren. I agree with him, and we agree with that, but in a context that Pharaoh, I think, would come alongside of this. It won't be good for them in a natural sense. But it will be good for them in a spiritual sense because let's face it, friends, let's face it. The church of Jesus Christ upon the earth in this country and especially in Europe has fallen either asleep or into the doldrums and we simply are not seeing the power of the Holy Spirit in the church today in first of all our personal lives of obedience and holiness and commitment to god and the word and prayer and service and we're certainly not the world is certainly not seeing the demonstration of a risen man from heaven ruling and reigning upon the earth in the church they're not seeing it and who knows and i hope for such a day as this the church The church, the real church, the the believers, the church is being called to a place of saying, of, of God doing a marvelous, reviving, revitalizing work because now we see we need to be about the Father's business. And one of my prayers is, Lord, I understand in a general way what you're doing. I think we all have that. But, oh, Lord, use this. However you're doing the natural, use it for empowering the church one more time. Who said that? One more time, what? Samson put his hands upon the pillars of the temple. One more time, what? One more time, anoint me and power me. And when Samson did that, according to the will of God who put that prayer in his heart, Samson pulled down the, the pillars of the temple and that temple of Dagon came crashing down and Samson killed more Philistines, 3,000 in that one act than he had done in all of his life. One more time. That's what I pray for one more time. Amen? So, you're right in the natural. I I say, man, my daughter is almost 50 years old, my grandchildren, and hopefully great-grandchildren, but yes, I have a real concern what they're going to be living in. And I want to say it one more time for us. What they're going to be living in, not because either Donald Trump was or was not elected, not because Biden was or was not elected, but because of sin growing and maturing and coming in like a flood. I don't blame this on any one group. It's the work of Satan. But that God will use it. As Samson said, and you pray this way, Father, for the church, for my life, for me, One more time, do an anointing and an empowerment in me that will absolutely by the power of your spirit transform me into a man or a woman of power and of strength and of miracles that you will be honored and the world may know. And when that happens, you ain't seen no persecution for the church as you will see it then. But then you will never see a move of God until you see it then. Do you remember your Bibles? Amen. So next week, we'll go into God's inter-Trinitarian love. Thank you.